You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. It's December 15th, 2022, and you're listening to episode 315 of the PHP Podcast. We are three professional PHP developers who make a living coding in the PHP language every day. From our GitHead to our latest PR, we talk about PHP, coding, tech, and anything else that happens to come to our mind. We live stream every Thursday around 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. And you too can participate in that live stream at our in our Discord channel at discord.phpugly.com. And I feel like I have other things to say. This, this, this episode is sponsored by... We got a couple sponsors this episode, uh, HoneyBadger.io and CloudWaves. And as always, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. But for now, let me introduce the rest of the crew. John Conte. <laughs> I love the hat. <laughs> and Tom Raygott. Yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm sad that you can only wear that hat at home because it counts as sexual harassment in an office. <laughs> <laughs> you like my hat? It's, this this is this is only one of of uh, two. I have another one. I have another one for next week. So, wife uh, wife came through for me with Christmas hats. Uh, really happy about that. So, how has everybody's week been? Tom, let's oh. start with you. For, oh, well, before we start with you, Tom, I want to let you know how much you're absolutely loved and admired from our listening audience, because I have to say no fewer than probably 10 times, including one of the time being my, my very own wife sent me a link to a lady <laughs> ranting about the Panera <laughs> lemonade charge. And I, I even told my wife, so I asked my wife, I'm like, Hey, did you listen to that? And she's like, no, I didn't listen to it. I just saw the article and I remember Tom talking about it. And I'm like, I didn't listen to it either. Like, I think somebody had posted in Discord the very next day. And I just saw it. I'm like, okay, they're just validating uh, Tom's story, which is, you know, always fact-checking fact Tom yeah. is never a bad thing. It always feels unusual when people are like, oh, no, Tom is right, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to it. Now, do you, I, I assume, do you know the, the, uh, the TikTok I'm talking about? So the one you're talking about is actually a new one. This okay. is this is from the Daily Dot from this week. This this is not the old one I was referencing. Have you listened? Have you watched it? Have you listened to it? I have not. Although I I'll did have it sent to me by I like a dozen wife, people because I didn't listen to it because I just figured it was going to be a person like yourself just ranting about this this drink. I listened to it finally yesterday and. Oh my God, does it pay off for itself? It is so, so funny. I'll, I'll find the link and I'll make sure it's in the show notes uh, for anybody who might have missed it. But don't just read the article. Yes, Tom has been validated 
He's not making it up. I, he probably should have gone I know. this route and made his own TikTok, and you would have already been raking in the money. I'm going the but, legal route. <laughs> Eric, go and turn That's Tom up on the on this on OBS. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've received this article uh a couple hundred times this week. I was told by my friend who listens to the podcast that I might have come off as a bit of a a well, in his words, whiny bitch. Versus what no, the, the yeah, actual the actual what I was trying to explain was that what is being done is criminally negligent, not just me whining, and that the reality is is completely insane. Um, so I, I might not have represented myself well last week. However, uh, thank you everyone for your support in sending me the exact same article hundreds of times. Do you feel vindicated? Like- I'll feel vindicated when they pay for my hospital bills. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, it's, okay, so I cut it's you weird. How, how has your week been since then, Tom? Nuts. Uh, no one told me managing was difficult. I always looked at managers and was like, I can do that. That's easy. Turns out that when you get down to crunch time, uh, making sure that everyone is in order, working together, getting things done, and trying to be the sort of facilitator for a group of people is is hard so that's been most of my week is i i've probably put out about 50 lines of code total but i have had a higher word per minute uh in slack than i've ever had in my life so you've been the distraction in the team i got it i true management good job i (laughs) i don't know i might be I've been trying to, you know, we've got lots of meetings that are like, when are we doing this? How is this working? Keeping people up to date. I've been trying to make sure that people who want to keep their head down programming are not in on those meetings and getting distracted by them. I'm trying to be the facilitator. Um, but, you know, this is a new, this is a new role for me. And uh, it's, it's been very interesting. I you come home and practice. Like, do you just start yelling at your kids to get things done in a timely manner and report back? No, 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 no. I, I mean, do that. that. You got to keep practicing. You got to practice. Yeah. So I do that after the podcast. I have a couple beers on the podcast, and then call all my kids upstairs and start telling them the chores that they've they've skipped throughout the week and and how disappointed I am. It keeps me it keeps me fresh. Yeah. Exactly. You're supposed to be the facilitator to help get it done, not just yell at them. Well, I mean, in the case of my kids, it's just just reminding them that they should have done it is the facilitation because it's the trash cans. I can't like take the trash out from under the sink for them and like leave a pile because now there's a pile of trash. No, it's been tried. I've, I've had a pile of trash in the living room for the kid who is supposed to take the trash out and just checked how long I could leave it there with no one saying anything. And the answer is un- until I get way too angry about it. So. Cool. All right, John, how about you? Oh, where do you start? Uh, getting over COVID. That's not fun. Ended up having that last weekend. Running. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Cause I, so last week on the show, it was like things just started, right? And 
felt terrible. And then over the weekend, I just kicked my butt where I had a 103 fever. I stayed in bed most of the weekend, but got over it pretty quick. Now I'm just trying to get the, like, a little bit of congestion out of the chest. Outside of that, magazine finally out for December. That, that was a huge win today. Uh, Speakers chosen for tech, another huge win for this week. It's just been a good, good week that way. Like trying to mark things off the, off my list, get things done. We're getting there. Cool, man. How how about your week? Okay. I guess uh, pretty good. Felt good wrapping up last week uh, with the team, getting some, Load testing done on some code I'd worked uh, this week. Matter of fact, today, today, and this is like stuff I can't take credit for. It's really the the, the team that's doing it. Um, they started rolling out PHP eight point one. Um, so uh, with with the client that I work on, which is one of one of our larger clients, um, started rolling out Laravel eight, um, PHP eight point one. On the main application, I mean the the big application there. We we have it on a few uh, like the Greenfield app I'm working on already had 8.0. So um, so yeah, that was real nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's been going. Did, did it get released without a hitch, or have there been any known issues? I didn't see a lot of screaming, so I think uh, I think it's good. I like no screaming. Um, so I got a question for you guys. All right. I'm, I'm going to dive into this question here. What time do you guys get to the office and start working? 8 a.m. Not a trick question. So don't think too, too hard about it, Tom. Well, that see, that depends entirely on my answer. Uh, nine. Okay, eight, nice. 830 to nine. But a lot of a lot of my company is on the West Coast. I don't need a lot of explanation for it, Tom. It, it, it's a very simple mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you, you we'll say you're nine o'clock, John. We'll say you're eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, completely reasonable. Nine o'clock, I I would think that would kind of be on the later side that you would start working would be nine o'clock, right? So let's say you work at nine o'clock, but you don't work at home you'd probably have to be ready and out the door. Chances are like no later than eight 30, depending on how far your job is. Does that, does all this sound reasonable? Yeah, no, that's reasonable. All right. So the, the, my previous dog who I loved very much. (laughs) Yes. The office manager, we had a routine and I, so I would start work around seven 30 or eight o'clock in the morning. And that meant I would take Yaz to the dog park around 6, 6.30. The dog park was really close to my house, so it, it, it wasn't that long of a drive to get there and get home. That seemed like a very reasonable time to do things. Since moving into this new area that I'm at, that particular dog park is no longer convenient for me. And I had to find another dog park because... We got another dog. And I'm thinking, all right, kind of get into the same routine. I'll get up at like 530, get out the door by six, get to the dog park and get back. 
I cannot find a dog park anywhere in my area that opens up, that literally unlocks their gate before 8 o'clock in the morning. What? And that was my argument. So it's a good thing, bad thing. I'll get to the good thing here in a moment. But my argument was, who has that sort of time in the morning to take their dog to the park and still get to work at a reasonable time? It's just... It's so frustrating to me. Like at at the latest, the dog park should open at seven. I think six. I felt like was a good time, but I understand that is pretty early for a dog park. So seven seemed more reasonable for people who had to be at work by like eight or nine. So I said there was a good side effect to this as a side effect to this. So that doesn't stop me. So now I have gotten I've gotten into this routine where I'm I actually don't start the day until nine thirty. 10 o'clock, sometimes even push it a little after 10. One of the true benefits of being the owner of the company is you can do that. One of the really cool side effects, not that anybody cares about this, but it's let you all know it's not all bad, is my wife, who works at night, would get off in the morning. She now can go to the dog park with us. So, my wife and I are like spending this little morning period together. It's not as nice as I'd like. Like we used to have these little mornings where we'd go have breakfast and stuff. We can't do that with the dog, but we've gotten into this routine now where the wife comes with me to the dog park, do that. We'll go grab a coffee on the way home and get home. So it does have a nice side effect for me personally. I just happen to benefit from it. But in general, what a horrible, horrible thing to do to these people in this area. And this is not like a, uh, I guess it's, I mean, maybe a little higher than middle class area, like the, these neighborhoods that these dog parks are in. But I don't know, man. It just seems unreasonable to expect people to take their dogs to the dog park that late and still get to work at a regular time. That, that's my rant for the day. Last week was Tom and caffeinated lemonade. Today it's me and late start the dog park. So they actually have locks on your dog parks? Yeah. It, all of them out here do. Huh. Uh, like if it rains, they won't even open them. Like if it's raining outside, they'll just keep them locked so that you can't, can't go there. It's pretty frustrating. Especially hmm. like, I don't know. I was just talking to Beck about this, Beck being my wife, that perhaps I'm still not familiar enough with with this new area, but you know me, John, I'm a big community guy, right? I love community. In, In the real world, community are public parks. And I just don't have that feeling of there are all these public parks available for people to go to. Not even public parks, but other things like, you know, public lakes and things like that it's there are lakes all over the place out here but they're all private lakes for that neighborhood it's Mm. so frustrating so i don't know still some growing pains in our new location but i love the house well there you go that's the important part right i mean my all right my takeaway from this is you you live in a somewhat upper class neighborhood you don't think of it as too up too upper class but as a person who owns a company, sure, all your other neighbors own their own companies, and the dog parks just don't open enough. Like it's got to be earlier. And these damn private lakes—just too many private I, lakes. 
I have a real problem with private <laughs> links. I, I, I hate. I, first thing, we almost moved into a gated community, and there are a lot of gated communities around here. I really have just this icky feeling about gated. Probably would have got a lake then. I would have. That's where all the lakes are, or in the little gated communities, <laughs> and the dog parks that open yeah. at five. All right, so I sound like a broken record. I know I sound like a broken record. I swear to freaking God, I try not to talk about politics on this show. And we have we have acknowledged the fact that politics and technology are getting more and more intertwined. So that's whatever. But regardless of your opinion of the previous president... Some people like him. I've been a couple. Most people don't care for him. Understandable. Regardless of whatever your your opinion of that person is, 45, we'll, we'll call him 45 for now. I was hoping and just praying that what I saw today wasn't true. Like it was a go. It, I was waiting for somebody to come out and say it was a deep fake. Have you guys seen? Trump's pimping his NFT. I no. I would go so far as to say I'm still not convinced it's not a deep fake, but it's an authorized deep fake. Because oh. it looks bizarre and it sounds it doesn't sound like him. It looked comical, right? Like somebody made a movie about like this crazy president person and this is what they did. Like, it looks... And to, if you watch the video, watching the video made me think it's not a deep fake because... Well, the, no, the video is what I thought spoke. was a deep fake. Now, there's, this is, there's some important caveats to this. Is that this is not owned or controlled by Trump and is using his likeness and image under paid license. So he's right. he's actually been paid for this already and is not or you know gets up gets a commission or something but this is not owned by him in any way. And right. the video makes that super clear. The way he talks about it is that he doesn't under he doesn't even understand what this is and what the rewards are for this. He's just doing the video because he contra- he contracted his face to it. Right, exactly. And it, 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 it's obvious by watching the video, he doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about. Like, he doesn't know what an NFT is. Right. And he, So we didn't, we didn't say that. We didn't say what it is, actually. Oh, I thought I said uh, the Trump NFT. Sorry about that. So this, uh, Yeah, so this, this is the official Trump NFT. And... It is so comical watching. First thing, he, he's talking about how he's autographing them personally. And it, and it shows him just signing his name on an like a iPad or something, like some sort of tablet. He's just right. signing his name on like this digital tablet. It's like, what do you think you're doing right now? Like, that's, that's not a thing. You're not signing. Ah. And then he talks about how it captures his, his term as presidency and, and the achievements he, ma- he made during that time. And there's an NFT of him in an astronaut suit wearing sunglasses. I'm like, when did you do that? Well, I didn't see that happen. I might have been a fan of yours if you had done that. I saw that one, 
and immediately thought it was Joe Biden because he's wearing the aviator glasses that Biden wears that yep. he has never yep. worn. Yep. And, and there's, that's that, a reference to Space Force. Even directly at the sun, he doesn't wear sunglasses. Right. That's, that's how genius this guy is. So that's a but reference to like Space another Force. Another one of him with lasers coming out of his eyes. Well, you don't know until you have paid the $99 each for all of the... So they, they haven't said how many of these cards exist. And I believe that when you pay $99, you get a random one. Okay. That, that, I don't know. I didn't look that much into it. But in the video, so you mentioned that he doesn't own any of these, which doesn't surprise me. I don't think the guy knows how to write his own email. So the fact that he doesn't own NFT doesn't surprise me. It's hysterical that they thought this was a good time to release it. I realize they're trying to get to the Christmas rush and get all these right wingers a good Christmas present. But we also had one of the biggest cryptocurrency scandals last week that, you know, has hit, hit the, hit the world in a very long time. So that seemed like a bad idea, but even though he doesn't own the, the NFT, he, like, I guess you get, like, you, you're entered into this special sweepstake, and you can win prizes, and some of the prizes are, like, dinner with him, or Zoom calls with <laughs> right. him. It's bizarre, man. Well, I know. So, so regardless the- of your opinion, uh, of your opinion of the guy, if you love him or hate him, you have to acknowledge, on a world stage, this looks bad. Like, this looks horrible. Well, I know For the I'm- previous president of this country be to be trying to sell people NFTs. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas though. Thank you. Please please do that. That, that that would be fascinating. Yeah, no, in the video, he says, uh, there's also prizes. You can win a dinner with me at Mar-a-Lago, I guess. Like in the promotional video, in the promotion video, he's like reading it for the first time. He's he's surprised by it. He's like, wait a minute, what? You can win what? Yeah, and the, uh, the there's a golf session with Trump and your friends, but he like very intentionally leaves out that he's going to be golfing with you. It's just for your friends at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, it's yeah, it's super bizarre, and I I don't even think he did a photo session for these for any of these pictures. I think these are just Getty images. It's like his involvement in the whole thing is super, super low. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, they, it's bizarre. Did, did they just use the um, the the image AI? They're like Trump in a spacesuit. A couple aviators. of them. A couple of them honestly look like it. Yes. Would not be surprised. Would not be surprised in the slightest. And to be clear, how easy it is to mint an nft we could have the full php ugly nft collection out tonight like it's really really easy we should do that just sell them for 99 cents <laughs> since he's doing 99 dollars <laughs> just 99 cents that's it great, great christmas present 99 dollars is present. 99 dollars is insane I don't know what NFTs normally go for. So I don't know. There's no such thing as normally go for anymore. I think the Seth, Seth Green bought one for two and a half million 
and it dropped down to like $45,000 this year, just within, within six months. And it's from the like most, the biggest NFT collection out there. I think his wife has been doing NFTs like since they left office. Like yes, that week she had, they had minted NFTs that she was promoting. Uh, I think Ivanka, I think his daughter slash girlfriend has as well. I'm sorry. Is that too political? That, that, that is a disturbing image. Please don't do that to me. I didn't do it. Uh, all right. Okay. So, uh, John John spoiled the next a little bit, but that's what I do. Architect, that's fine. Uh, you know, it was your week. It, it is what you worked on this week, so I can't be too upset. But the December issue of PHP Architect finally got released. I, I, I didn't mean to put that emphasis so hard on finally. Sorry, John. Finally got released. Got released. <laughs> that's a good emphasis because finally is one of the articles in this month's. Uh, and, issue. I, and I just realized it's capitalized on the cover, and it's not supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's a that's a reoccurring column. If if, if you didn't know, there, Tom. Uh, I'm, so I'm a reader. I, I do want to call out the fact that bring value to your code is contributed by PHP Ugly listener Dimitri. Oh, thank you, Dimitri. It is a fantastic article. I I don't want to hype Dimitri up too much because he's kind of a jerk to me a lot. But it's a damn good article, and I I hope this is actually the second part of his series. So he ties up uh, value objects very well. Yeah, matter of fact, both of our features are continuations of of pre- yeah i got to get Dimitri. So that was that was that was really cool do also john mentioned a lot of the speakers have been announced not all of the speakers but a lot of the speakers have been announced and um it is shaping up to be a very very cool conference and this is such as a organizer this is such a relief to feel like you had so many good sub- we first thing we had so many good submissions uh, we 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 ran out of space in time slot we i feel like we could have if money was no object having another track or two would have been easy to fill mm-hmm. money is an object and we didn't have those tracks <laughs> so many good good talks but uh so to to, to get speakers and to get confirmation from the speakers this early, because we the conference itself isn't until May, is pretty kind of weight off my shoulders. I don't know how you feel about John. Yeah, for sure. It. I love this. I love this nice lineup. Soon. soon we're going to start announcing the keynotes and releasing the actual schedule and the lineup. So definitely looking forward to it. And. If you ha- didn't act soon enough, you missed out on Blind Early Bird, and we are just down to Early Bird now. So that won't last forever either. I won't tell you when it will expire, but it will expire at some point 
and you may want to jump on it now that you now that you see who the speakers are. You know, you can wait. More speakers are going to be added, and eventually we're going to announce keynotes. So, if you want to roll your dice, you can do that. But yeah, early bird is out there now. I encourage everybody to go out there and grab a ticket. Anything else, John? Is that it? That's it. I'm. I didn't realize that it still kept the expired options on there. So I want to go remove those. I saw that. <laughs> I, I just. I, I just noticed that too. I'm like, oh that crap, that's still there. That doesn't need to be there anymore. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. All right. How about you, Tom? Well, you know, an interesting that has come up for me this week is remote work. I am organizing this this large project that involves uh, four developers at this point. And we're really getting down to this crunch time where the project is due really soon. Everything that everyone was working on independently is coming together. And... I don't think I could have done what I did this week in an office. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I spent a lot of time in Slack organizing, uh, you know, this person needs this piece done. This person needs this piece done. What are you tracking right now? And it's like in an office to try and do that, I would have been running the whole time back and forth between desks saying, How's this going? How's this going? How's this going? And with remote work, with at least with Slack, I was able to organize this so much better than I could have just running around an office. I was going to say, you really, you Slack think, works inside an office too. I was like, do you think people <laughs> who work in offices don't have Slack? Question mark? The, there are, it's not just Slack. There's a lot of tools around remote work that have come out within the last four years. I can pretty much guarantee you anything you use remotely, they have at the office. I'm, I'm not trying to I, diminish. I'm not trying to, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying, but hearing you say that somebody who has never worked in an office or hasn't worked in the office in the last, what, 15 years, you, you don't, you don't know if you could have accomplished there or not. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. I, I think the I think the the big difference for me is the compulsion to walk over to someone's desk versus just continue slack threads or that that in itself isn't a terrible thing. Like sometimes you you're doing like like I I'll slack John and I'm waiting half the day for him to respond. I don't know why he's not responding. Is he ignoring me? Did he did he miss the message? Did he move on? Did he, is he not responding? Whereas in the office, I would pop my head in his office and say, "Hey, you know, blah blah da da blah. Let me or, let me rephrase. Let hey, me rephrase. The tools that have been developed to facilitate remote work have really made things easier in and out of the office. I'm very thankful that's, that's for. I'm very thankful for the tools that I have because this week I've been leaning on them very heavily. Uh, one of the things I noticed though is that Slack is just a chat system. And it's like, I kind of wish I could break out Slack into multiple windows and coordinate 
based off of a, a task or this conversation is related to this PR and like pin things in new ways. And I'm very surprised that there hasn't been a programmer related chat system that, that allows for this integration to GitHub say like, this is related to this PR. You can pull up the PR in the Slack window. You can say, here's where uh, pipelines are failing or not failing. You know, Slack is a, is a great product, but it feels stagnant. Like there's not a lot of new. I don't know if stagnant is the right word. The, The fact that it's this, it's this continuous conversation. So like, we'll, we'll have it happen. I mean, I think everybody experiences this, but we'll do a deployment and something will go squirrely with the deployment. And so a conversation would be going on about that, but somebody else might have something else they need addressed or one to talk about. And it's like, well, do I interject? Are they done talking? Can I, can I go ahead and send my message? I don't want to you know, disrupt what they're talking about, but at the same time, I have a problem I need to talk about that's not related to their problem. If people are better at using threads, if you Im- vastly makes that better. Yes, right. and and having having really learned threads the last couple months has like totally changed because I used to hate 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 threads, and now I can't live without them. Although mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do absolutely love. Frank's comment here, which is that Slack feels stable. And I kind of don't, I kind of don't want stable as a programmer, like, yeah, in marketing or, or, you know, project, product development. Sure. You want stable, but I kind of want like crazy new features every episode. I I, I was, I was thinking that like, you're looking at it from a developer perspective, but this is an app used by everybody and so they're not going to necessarily have tools just for developers right so can someone make a developer oriented chat system for me so i can pirate it it's called discord discord's pretty close you can create breakout rooms with discord that have dedicated like video has come a long way it's discord i i think people don't appreciate how much you can do with discord and they've had to really target the sort of like gamer slash community audience. But I think a, a discord focused on a company could be very interesting. You could do a lot with it. Um, specifically servers. I mean, just having, having a server for marketing versus having everyone in the same bundle, which I know is somewhat of a feature of Slack, but no one wants to manage my company's dev versus my company's product versus my company's marketing. Right. Right. And interesting enough, again, we're going to get back. I'm going to circle back around on this, but in this month's uh, PHP architect, finally, which Tom talked about discusses the whole concept of not owning our own content. And Slack is a perfect example of that, right? Like, if Slack goes away or if your company stops paying for Slack, what happens to all that knowledge that that you guys have been sharing there? Like how do you how do you capture that and, and bring it with you? It's an interesting concept. And Beth Tucker Long talks about that in the, this month's article. All right, I'm a disclaimer. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot here a little bit. Sorry. I, I assume I'm assume you're at, at a stopping point here, Tom. Yeah. 
I understand, and I, I can appreciate that of late, John and I spent a lot of time talking about PHP Architect and PHP Tech on the show. And the reality of it, that isn't changing. That That's our life. That's how we make a living. Just like Tom talks about his job, that's our job. We're going to talk about it. I will say, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek, a little preview. John and I have been talking about it, and... I think starting next year, we're going to Are you kicking me off the, the show? PHP Architect podcast, which we haven't really made time to do for the last couple of months. We're going to reformat it to be more like this, where it's John and I talking about the release and things leading up to the release and other things within PHP Architect, because I've it's just everything we do, and I love it. And I like sharing about it. And I try, I really try to restrain myself to not talk about it too much on this show. And I appreciate people like hearing about it. But I don't know. I, I, uh, John and I are going to, to try to use that, a, a new format starting next year that kind of mimics a little bit more of this, of just us talking and you talking know, work. Whatever. Yeah. Talking shop. And speaking of talking shop, let's. Talk shop. Let's talk Cloudways. We'd like to thank our partner, Cloudways. We love coding, but managing the server that code runs on can be time-consuming and error-prone. Cloudways offers peace of mind and flexibility so you can focus on growing your business instead of dealing with server management. With Cloudways, you get an optimized stack, managed servers, backups, staging environment, integrated Git, pre-configured composer, 24-7 support, and a choice of five cloud providers, AWS, DigitalOcean, Linode, Google Cloud, and Vulture. Cloudways helps you spend less time managing servers and more time doing what you really want, coding. Simplifying cloud deployment by managing one account and not multiple accounts across multiple cloud platforms. You also see the monthly cost for running your servers, so there's no surprise. Cloudways has all the tools you need to manage your server right there in their interface, or simply SSH into the machine yourself. Sign up for Cloudways today using the promo code PHPARCH, that's P-H-P-A-R-C-H, and get a 20% discount for three months. Or just visit phparch.com forward slash cloudways. That's phparch.com forward slash cloudways. Thank you. Thank you, Cloudways. Cloudways. Thank you, Cloudways. Did you guys know you can make a living now in open source? I mean, not a not a great living, but you can make a living with open source now. Well, yeah, I've been selling feet pictures for a while. Is that not what you meant? (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? Feet pictures? That's that's not open source if you're selling them. <laughs> I mean, it's a Creative Commons license. Anyways, I guess GitHub Accelerator is a thing now. And if you have an open source project, you can apply to GitHub Accelerator. And watching the video, I don't didn't deep dive into it because I don't have any open source projects to apply or I would consider it, but I guess they're paying as much as $30,000 a year for people to work on open source projects, which doesn't sound like a crazy amount, depending on where you are in this world, but that's a good significant chunk of change for working on a passion project that you've decided to keep open source. I, 
have to applaud GitHub and Microsoft for doing this. I have no idea what their idea. Like, I, I, ha, I, ha, I, I have a theory mm. that this is related to. Please don't sue us because of Copilot. I, I do and too. I mentioned that in the past. Yeah, it's it really smells like. Uh, if you sign this and we'll give you money and you're not allowed to sue us for using it in Copilot. I, I, I honest goodness think, think that is part of the motivation to this, but I, I'm not a lawyer and I can't speak to that, but it feels very. And you haven't seen the contracts or anything. I'm looking right now. I'm looking specifically for anything about use of machine learning. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, so we've made fun of John Congdon in the past. What? You would not occasionally. do Occasionally. Occasionally we do. Hmm. And one of the bigger running jokes that we had on the show was how long his PRs stay open. Because John has had some historically long open PRs. I tried to break the record when we were Diego Dev and gave people the direction not to close a PR from John because I was trying to get it to five years. And eventually somebody closed it and I got very upset with it. Let me ask you before we move on, what is what what do you think your reasonable length of time before you consider a PR as aging too long? And then what do you do with it? Because that's one of the things we track. I don't close them. We have some very long-running PRs that have been open. Who is that? It was me trying to fix my camera. <laughs> oh, you're frozen. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, we, we have some very long PRs running. But let me ask you, you guys, how long do you think is a reasonable amount of time for a PR to be open? And when it's open past that time, what do you do about it? So I don't think it's about the length of the time that the PR has been open. I think it's the most recent activity on the PR because you can definitely go in and flag a PR as blocked by something and it can be blocked for uh, months. You know, it's if it's a, a particularly ambitious thing and it's not through the approval process or whatever. Um but as, as as long as there's a flag on it that says this PR is blocked by this, then you're covered. So if it's a if it's a blocking issue, then it can sit for months as far as I care, because the blocking issue is the one that becomes the point of focus. If if it's been approved and hasn't been merged, then that's on the the head of the team to get that merged in. And if it's not approved because it's pending some change that's been requested, then that change has to get made or you have to cancel the PR. I mean, I really don't decline PRs ever. I don't see a a real need to, but you definitely have to discuss with the, the the developer who created the PR why it's sitting somewhere for so long. And 
John has had some historically long-standing PRs because of insecurity about the severity of the change. That's I think that's the biggest one that really has been an issue, which is like upgrading to upgrading PHP versions or MySQL versions, stuff like that. Yeah, that's fair. It's not necessarily security as much as when you're touching legacy code, sometimes it's scary to make changes. It's kind of pointless to focus on me when I'm frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you're doing your whole uh, puppet thing. You can't even see your lips move. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it depends on whose fault it is that the PR is sitting for so long. And if it's because the company doesn't want to make a dramatic change, then it's their fault. And you just leave it you know, dying on the vine because of them and say that's because of you. Okay. All right. I mean, that makes sense. So we've, we've talked in the past about um, how quickly Laravel will close a PR and that's yes. that like a point of contention and it has resurfaced as a point of contention with a, with another recent PR that just got, got closed because it was one of these things where, okay, well, Somebody reported a bug of hey if you if you do this in a blade this way, you know things oh. go wrong, error messages happen, and I, kind of the reply was okay, well don't do it that way then. I saw this this Twitter thread, and I didn't know what it was about. So can you explain this to me a little better? Well, it wasn't a Twitter thread; it was, oh, it was a GitHub issue. GitHub issue. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean that that was basically it. Somebody somebody called out. Uh, there's a way if you if you use PHP and PHP tags and a blade template, things go squirrely. And kind of the response was, you know, hey, don't do it that way. And ultimately, the the ticket ended up being closed by Taylor that says uh, we close issues we don't plan to work on. Google still surfaces closed issues. Anyone can still search for closed issues. That's how we work. It's it's very much a slight. This is how I handle my project. You're going to live with it. Slight but, correction there. It was closed by Demet- uh, by Dries Vince, who's the one who says okay. you did it wrong, and then just closes the ticket. It was but reopened it- and merged by Taylor, and he explained that it was closed because Dries is told if it's not something we expect to work on, then we're not going to work on the, then we're not going to merge the PR. But it was, it was definitely not closed by Taylor. It was closed by the guy who always says you did it wrong. Fuck off. So I, I see, I see closing the, the PRs kind of like deleting code out of your, code base it's always available it's in git we a lot of us comment code out versus delete it same thing with the pr if if it's going to be worked on later it can be reopened it's not the end of the world yeah but i'm sure you think like if somebody else comes across this problem wouldn't their first thing to do would say okay are there any open issues about this problem no well I'll open an issue and then it just starts this cycle of this has already been discussed we've already closed it we're not <laughs> fixing it Blah. yeah 
But it's, I mean, to me, this is the bigger issue is that this is an open source product. A person has given you a solution for free. And the response was, was you insult me by saying that this is actually an issue. How dare you closed instead of just taking well, they, they the, you, they, they didn't give you a solution. They, they didn't do a solution. It's a, no, it's a point. Oh, issue. it's just an issue. It's not a PR. Right. 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 So um, it's pointless to keep them open forever. I, I understand what you're saying. Like somebody else has the issue and comes and searches. But to me at that point, it's, the maintainer, like, oh, this has been opened already. You can link the two of them, and I feel like close there needs, it with there issue. Needs to be, I feel like there needs to be another status with instead of open. Well, actually, there is another status. There's well, that's a PR. So with issues, I feel like there needs to be another status of just open and closed. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that status is. I don't know what that looks like. Well, then you get into like like Jira. I have. 700 statuses in Jira and I hate 99% of them. Right. But I mean, there's something to be said for a project as large as the Laravel framework. When you come to this GitHub and there are only six open issues, right? So how do you view that? Do you just say, well, they close anything they don't want to fix? Or do you say, well, they do a very good job at pruning their issues and keeping what, they're actually going to work on as live issue. I see both sides of that fence. It's like, first thing to just say, you're not going to fix it. Like just like have a tag that says, Hey, this is an open issue. We're not going to fix it. But if somebody from the open source community wants to contribute and fix it, this would be a good thing for you to work on because we're not going to work on it. Like some sort of status like that, like, these are workable issues that other people can work on. Yeah. And and I I have to point to after closing the ticket, there was a lot of there was a couple like comments that were just like, hey, this is clearly a bug. Why are you just closing it? And according to the documentation, this should work, so why are you closing it? And the comment from Laravel was, We're not going to spend time looking into this ourselves. You're welcome to send in a PR. Like this is poor relationship management like this is i understand that that, that's basically what i just said except somebody else coming in later will not know that will not know to go look at closed issues to see this is something that they they should work on or can work on there needs to be another status for that especially for open i totally can appreciate open source maintainers wanting to keep their issue log as small as possible but at the same time, if there's a bug that needs to be fixed, why don't you let somebody try to fix it if, if they're willing to try to fix it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, one of the biggest issues here is, is, is just how it's addressed, saying because it is a – because it is easily resolved, uh, we acknowledge that it's a bug, but – it is a back burner task for us. Uh, thank you for, you know, thank people for finding issues. First off, thank you for reporting That's this. Don't quit being an asshole. I'm, I, I'm so tired of the attitude of like, well, I'm giving you this thing. No, you're, 
you're getting a paycheck from Laravel now, so you're not giving me shit. We're giving you shit for free. We're we're issuing bug reports. I don't mean to get worked up about it. It's just you know, I've I've dealt with so many open source maintainers where I'm like, hey, I've ran into this issue. We can't hear you, John. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tom. No, I, I was just saying you're not giving them any issues anymore because you're not using Laravel. Well, that yeah, that might change eventually, but that's another conversation for like February. I I like to think in in terms of months from now. Like that's a that's a next year Tom problem. <laughs> I love that next year Tom. Yeah. But like I, I love the I love the name Backburner too. Like that would be the perfect category for for an issue. Like absolutely, have like have an area of GitHub that are you call Backburner, and have that be all the open source. I mean, all right. I want to move on. We're running we're running very late, and we have a lot more to get through. So I do want to move on. Don't want. Sorry, I'm cutting you off again, Tom. That's got things to do. The listeners are used to it. I, so there's, <laughs> this next piece is going to be like a going to be like a twofold thing. Let me let me move it over in Trello so that people know what I'm talking about here. But uh, Taylor tweeted today um, about new things are are in the latest release of Laravel. To Tom's point, he doesn't care about this, or maybe he will care about it again very shortly. I still care about it. I still use Laravel. I still love Laravel. I, I, it's, it's my ex-girlfriend now, but I still love her. (laughs) That's awesome. I, so I, I don't typically do this, but, but I'm going to do it for you guys. Uh, I'm, if you're listening to audio podcast, you're not going to appreciate any of this, but I'm sharing the Twitter thread that Taylor posted about what's new in this release. And if you're looking at this, this, you know, there, there's this, this, and then, then some people start to reply. And then I, I don't know what Brady has to do with any of this, but, but this thread just kind of gets, gets lost eventually. This is, I was looking at this and this is the PHP ugly Twitter handle. And I'm in a PHP ugly specific browser that I have configured for the PHP ugly show. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, why, why does this not look right? Why does this, I, I can't like, why is this other junk in here? And I remember that my account, I have Twitter blue on. Now, before anybody says anything, I had Twitter blue a long time ago. The Twitter blue I have does not give me a blue check mark. It's just this old Twitter blue that let me edit, uh, edit podcasts and things like that, or edit podcasts, edit tweets. But it has all these additional features, and I didn't even realize this was a feature. This is how I'm able to view this exact same t- thread on my Twitter page, when I'm going to it from my account, this very pretty, this very pretty, just just his thread of what is in the release. And I love this. Like, I've been doing this. I have to click on, this is an extra click. So when I come here, I see the same thing. And then I have this little thing up here that says, hey, just show me the, the original thread that was posted because that's what I want to read. And I click that and I get this very clean interface. And I didn't even realize this was a Twitter blue thing until I tried to do it on PHP Ugly. I'm like, where the hell is that little notebook at? Why is it? Why can't I click on the notebook? And I realized, oh, it's a Twitter blue thing. So that being said, 
the latest release, one of the things I want to talk about with the latest release of Laravel is they address a couple of things. And one of the things was like this, I don't know why it was a pain point for me, but it was like one of these things that irritated me. So if you've ever tried to modify a existing table in a database within Laravel, so you try to change something, like try to, try to drop a column or rename a column or something along that line, you had to install the Doctrine Composer package to do so. And my big gripe was, if you need that to change a table in the database, why don't you just include it with the with the regular install? Like, how big of a package is it where you just can't install it? It's frustrating. How, 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 can, how big could Doctrine be? Huh? How big could Doctrine possibly be? Well, I mean, nine times out of ten, you end up pulling it into your project anyway. Yeah. But that that was until today, or until this latest release of Laravel. Apparently, that's no longer required to, to perform certain modifications to a table. I don't know if that has limitations or not, but yeah, that's a thing. The other kind of cool thing I wanted to point out is with the HTTP client now, you have a throw if statement you can put in. So you can say, you can put in your HTTP post request or get request and then have a throw if statement that's, that essentially ca- captures an error if, if an error happens and then it, it, allows you, it allows you to pass it a closure to do something. Actually, if, the way I'm reading that, it's not if an error happens. Well, you still get a 200 response from the site but you know there's an error response in the body where normally I hit something. Yeah. Normally I hit something and I get a 404 because that resource isn't found. I would get a guzzle exception. This is like, nope, you're going to get a 200. If the body matches something or there's some other condition in there, you can make the HTTP throw an exception as if there was a 404 or some other error status. You know what else is good for catching errors, John? What is that? When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your backend applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser so that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, user information, and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's HoneyBadger, where the monitoring tool for web developers would rather be, well, developing. Thank you, HoneyBadger. Thank Honey you, HoneyBadger. Honey Badger. I came across 
an interesting uh, post on Reddit about web development. Like what is, what is your web development stuff that you know and sort of just take for granted? Well, I'll just quote it here. What is basic web programming knowledge to you, but surprised you that many people you work with don't have? I, I don't know if this falls into that category, but when I was in operations, I was always, it always boggled my mind that a web developer didn't understand how a web server or networking worked. Like it was amazing to me that they didn't understand how that worked and they were designing web applications. The, the first time you show them how to use Telnet to Telnet to an exact port, type in, get, sure. whatever, and then magic happens. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing. I would, I would go less than that and just say like, Hey, when a, uh, when a port is in use from another Docker container, like kill the other Docker container or switch your ports. Like just the idea of ports to me growing up, like internet in the nineties was all about ports. Uh, You would see some big name companies actually hosting their websites on 8080 in the early Mm nineties. Like, as crazy as that sounds, True. as crazy as that sounds, there were ads for stuff like, you know, food.com colon 8080. Because no one had, no, you know, the idea of just .com on its own was so foreign that you might as well tell them to use a non-standard port or something. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning that, was. That's another thing. Like, well, first thing, even today. I find people surprised that you can host more than one website on the same server, <laughs> yeah. which bl- blows their mind. But then they don't understand the basic URL structure and how that works and how it resolves to a web page. And they're like, well, you can't, you can't deploy that on that server because that server is www.myhomepage.com and this, I need to be something else. It's like, don't worry about it. It's it all works the same. It'll be fine. Well, yeah. In the same subreddit, there was a person asking about a a URL that was like four subdomains deep and could not comprehend how that actually worked. And the first two subdomains, it was it was dots India dot co. So just that they couldn't comprehend was like when we split the internet up into us versus everyone else. We basically said com is for Americans. You, you dirty bastards. And if you're in Europe, you get uh, what dot uk. You get extra dots. Uh, but the number one response here was extra dots. the number one response here was reading documentation. And I don't know. I don't know if that's super upvoted just because it's funny but do you ever forget to like, do you ever, are you ever working on something and you think you've read the documentation? Like, yeah, I looked at it. Oh, but I, I skim, I skim the documentation. All but the then that, that's one of the reasons why I still need the Laravel documentation because <laughs> I never read anything completely. I read whatever I need to find to read. Do you ever ask somebody and they just send you a URL to the documentation? Well, no, I actually, you don't have to answer that. I know that's true because you've done that to me several times. <laughs> Why is it? Do, why is it doing this here? Here, <laughs> just leave me alone. Go read the documentation. 
Well, and you know, we have internally, we have a very completed confluence system for like every question you could have. And thankfully the team is really nice when you ask a, a question that's been answered a thousand times, but it's always just like a link to the confluence docs where like, yeah, if you'd searched for the thing you're looking for, you would have found it immediately. Um, but then the other thing is, is testing and quote here, I don't mean unit testing. I mean, opening a freaking browser window and seeing if it works. I'm terrible about that. <clears throat> I get, I get yelled at all the time. I open up pull requests because I write code. I'm like, test pass. This should work just fine. Did you test it in the browser? So that's the no, funny. No, I didn't test it in the browser. Leave me alone. That's the funny thing is that this was never an issue for me until I started working on a multi-person team and doing test-driven development. Where like I write my test and my test passes and it's a feature test and a unit test. So of course it fucking works. And then I push it along and someone opens a browser and it 404s and I'm like, well, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> Shouldn't. <laughs> Famous like, last words. I, I feel like all like very specifically targeted by all of these answers because I keep not reading the documentation. I've st- I've stopped opening the browser when I really should, and then it starts getting into what we were discussing about just you know the fundamentals of how computers work. But I I thought this was a. A very interesting discussion. I'd love to hear what our Discord has to say about this because I mean, we're all about community and our Discord community is awesome. I wish I could contribute to it more. I read it all the time, but I'm just, I'm so much of a lurker there right now. I hadn't, yeah, I enjoy your Discord. Yeah, I, I had a weird issue today. I'm going to break from our cards for a sec where. I've, I, there was this ticket that's been open for probably two weeks at this point, <laughs> and I read it a week ago. That was four ago. cards ago. Stop. I read it a week ago, <laughs> and I just couldn't comprehend, so I, I wrote back, like, can you please you know, explain like I'm five? Tell me what's going on. And he responded, very big paragraph of exactly what's happening, or sort of exactly what's happening. I don't get to it yesterday. So he writes in there, Hey, just want to make sure you saw this. I look at it again today. And again, I'm just glazing over while looking at this ticket and it was driving me nuts. And I wrote to him in Slack, like, listen, I don't know what's going on. I'm not comprehending. He recorded a video and it was like three lines of code later. I'm done. (laughs) It's so frustrating. It was like, Wow, with the video, it just like everything clicked and it turned out to be an easy fix. Yeah, that's happened to me. Yeah, I think that's a that's kind of a thing. Yeah. All right. I want to go ahead and throw our Patreon supporters up here and say thank you to all of them. Yes, thank Read you. Read the wonderful names. Um, and I'm going to keep talking. Uh, on the show why this is up for a little while just to kind of again let everybody know how much we su- we appreciate everybody who supports us on patreon thank you again from buttery to tory 
All you are wonderful people. Thank you. I think it might be Tor. So, Tor, yeah, I think you're right. Because Tori would be like an IE, wouldn't he? Yeah. What well, was there an accent on the E, and you just, we just can't support? I don't know, man. I just it, don't know anymore. Anyway. Anyways, John, uh, John, Tom, you were talking about some of the challenges you have with project management now and Mm -hmm. some of the things, some of the tools you wish were a thing in project management. Have you played with, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, have you played with or used at all Notion? I haven't. and He just wrote in Discord that he should. As as with all things that I talk about on this podcast, the first thing that happens every time I say like, hey, I wish there was a tool for this. Someone is like, here's that tool. <laughs> so Notion is something I, I, I started using Notion a, a while back and I was using Notion, I thought, to replace Evernote. Like, I thought it was going to be a replacement to Evernote because I don't know why I felt like I needed to replace Evernote, but that was my intention. And it's not a good replacement for Evernote, at least not the way I use Evernote. So it didn't work for that, but I continued to use it, continued to get my head around it. It really is a great tool for a developer once you understand document stores and how document stores work and that everything is a document in this data scheme data store and you can you know link to stuff so when uh, when we started doing php architect john and i struggled with a good workflow on how to manage the articles how to manage where the articles were in the release cycle and all this other stuff and through some trial and error him and i started developing this workflow in Notion. And it really started to, it really helped a lot. It, it didn't answer, it didn't answer all the questions by any means, but it definitely, it definitely helped a lot uh, from what we were doing. And recently we onboard the rest of the PHP architect team, the employees. So, so if you've been contributing to the magazine, uh, as a regular columnist, they they always had the option to use Notion to submit their columns, which we so appreciate when they do that because it's it's very easy for us to pull it into our workflow as opposed to them sending it to us. Then we have to copy it over. Sometimes there's some formatting issues, blah, blah, blah. But we expanded this now to the rest of the team. So I've been using it to do our weekly meetings with the team for a long time. And now the entire team has visibility to it. And it's just, it's so good to hear some of the positive feedback. So a couple of the people have really kind of embraced notion and started working on um, what we call them playbooks, which, which, are, which are basically just doc. It's just documentation of anything. Right, it's, you know, you have a topic, you create a playbook for it that explains that topic, how to resolve it, blah blah blah. They're creating playbooks. A lot of them are really appreciating the the thought of a document store and how everything can be a database and everything can link to other things. And 
I I actually use some of the plugins to pull in a feed from GitHub that shows open PRs. So I say all that because A, I have an affiliate link, which will be in the show notes and is in Discord. Really? Anybody is interested in trying Notion, hit the affiliate link and hook us up a little bit. We appreciate that. But um but then it it, it was funny. Okay. I want to say this and not offend anybody. And, and I, I am actually one of the bigger, biggest kind of offenders of this problem. But grammar is not everybody's strong suit. Like putting together complete sentences that make sense and they're spelled correctly. Some people challenge. And as you can imagine, when we're reviewing, you know, hundreds of articles a year, there's there's a lot of grammar checking going on. And one of the things we've been doing is the first thing we do is when we get an article, we have to actually put so even if they even if they submit it directly to Notion, we have to pull it out of Notion and put it in Grammarly and let Grammarly work its magic so that we can uh kind of figure it out and 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 clean it up and all the best of it. And the reason why we do that, because Grammarly has a browser plugin that it will work on other sites, but doesn't work too well for whatever reason on Notion. Okay? So that's something we're doing. Notion now has this like early beta release. So you have to you have to put your name on a wait list, but they have this they're they're calling it Notion AI. And when I mentioned this to John, John's like, I don't want to hear another AI story. <laughs> I was going to say, is it is it stealing my grammar to make your grammar better? <laughs> so <laughs> that's actually great, but no. It one of the things AI does, and, and I put my name on the wait list for this because I, I was curious about it. Is it does? It sounds like it's going to do like a Grammarly thing. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's going to do like a Grammarly thing. It does other things, like you can say, "Hey." Uh, Write us, I don't know, write a summary is a good example. Anything, like, just like the chat AI or whatever that, that thing is. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. You can, you can or, or co-pilot, you can kind of give it a comment of, hey, I need a intro to this product. And then this AI engine will write it in Notion for you. Kind of a cool thing. And I'm wondering if this is like a good thing or bad thing. So I'm on the wait list. I'll let you guys know. There's I'm on the been... wait list too. I'm like 540,000 or some crazy number. Oh, you see that? Yeah. No, he's looking at Ticketmaster. It was, it was right after I signed up or joined it. The next screen told me what number I was, but I don't know what that is. I didn't now. pay attention. There's, there's been a, a weird churn lately against all AI on the internet where like the, the chat GPT thing happened and, and, and so people are uploading these, these generated self portraits to Instagram. Uh, In fact, it's, it's one of the ones that uh, Taylor Otwell is using as his, his profile picture right now is this clearly AI generated portrait. And the internet seems to really think that this is getting too close to Skynet. Like, well, I was going to say, I actually used it 
to my benefit today. Like I, I legitimately use that chat. That chat. What's it? GPT. GPT. Yeah. I use that today because in my new house that I've now been in here for about a year, we have these lights in our upstairs bathroom. I never liked those lights. Like they, they don't shine bright enough. So I never use them. So today we thought to pick up new bulbs. I'm like, okay, I'm going to change the light bulbs up there so that they're brighter bulbs, they're cleaner bulbs, and I'll be happy. And I went to go change them, and they're not normal screw-in lights. Like, I've never seen... Oh, the little tiny sort of ones? Light. No, no, no. Oh, they're it's, prongs. It's a big, like, it's a big, uh, like a fluorescent one, but it, but it's it's up like it's, like it's screwed in. So I'm like, what the hell is this? And how do I replace it? And so I went to that chat GPT. I'm like, what other type of light sockets are there in a house that are not screwing sockets? And it came back with a bunch of like other light sockets that you might have in your house. And I'm like, hey, that's it. It was like a boost socket or something like that. I'm like, that must be what I have is like this boost socket that have just these two prongs on, on the side. You just have to turn it like a, like a quarter of the way and pull it straight down. Well, I haven't tried that yet. Cause I don't want to break so it. But. Related to that. I saw somebody was, was talking about redecorating their house. And so they asked chat GPT. What is a good way to, uh, what is a good modern decoration for a room of this size of X by Y by Z? And then they just fed the chat GPT response into mid journey image generator. And it made a room for them. Like it, it put what? the couch in the right place and it made, it just made these nice modernly decorated rooms of the of the specified dimensions with like modern accoutrements uh you know pressed plywood chair in the style of Eames with a climbing vine over here and a television on a vase mount with the wires hidden and like feeding an AI response into an AI prompt for an image to generate various different styles of room design and i was like Shit, we're all out of a job. All of us. I saw there was a there's a big YouTuber uh who basically posted his like rough opinion of a video game. Uh like he he played the game and said like, "Hey, you know, it's generally a good game, but it had, you know, frame rate problems and the story didn't flesh out like I wanted it to in the last half." write a full length video game review based off of that. And it did. Yeah. It, yeah. it fully reviewed that, the video. That was game. like one of the notion ones that they did. They did something very similar like that in notion, but it's like, that's the raw to me. That's the wrong direction. You're taking a, a good summary of your experience and f- creating a 10 minute read for somebody who doesn't want that. They want the summary. We're moving in the wrong. We're inflating information now. This is the opposite of zipping files. This is this is inflating opinions. That as a, as a podcaster, I don't need that on my mind. <laughs> That's what we do. 
it's it's very very strange uh but we've talked enough about chat gpt i well i have something exciting i i will i will move on yes uh we've talked in the past about the new code editor by JetBrains, which is meant to be more of a VS Code sort of editor, more lightweight. Um, it only enables uh, the language like engine if you tell it to, all, all these things. It's called Fleet. And I had mentioned that I didn't use it because it didn't have Vim mode. And I, I just can't, I can't use editors that, that, don't have it mode. It just it just isn't functional for me. Well, if you're like me and you're waiting for Fleet to get Vim mode, they have a version of Vim mode now. It's not fantastic. It's not an extension, so I still don't think they have extensions or plugins. It's just a setting in the settings menu, and you just say enable Vim mode. It's very limited. It's very basic Vim mode. Uh, just you know, basically J K L H and some some of the very simple Vim things, but they they have a checklist that they're going through to essentially mirror more of what Idea Vim does in the JetBrains tool sets like PHP Storm. So that is very encouraging to hear because it means that they're listening to the people. If if you're a part of that Vim thread on JetBrains, it got out of hand for for Fleet. And I don't know. It was it was nice that you know they they acknowledge, hey, you know, we're listening to you, we're we're addressing this, we're we're working on it. So I'm still not gonna use it because I don't know. I'm not gonna use it yet. But <laughs> it does have Vim, but I'm more inclined to to try it for other things that I've been not using it for. But it won't be an everyday driver. It's very far from being an everyday driver for me. All right. Is that it? Are we done? We are done. Hour and a half. Where'd the Man, time I go? I tell you. I don't know what's been going on with these shows lately, but we seem to be like well formatted, have a lot to discuss, carry things on. Pretty, pretty light. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Hmm. All right, that is going to do it for episode 315. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'm going to drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'm going to send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas because he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this because the people love me. Shouts out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through and bless it with style So let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom That came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP, the programming language About to break it down, no exaggeration What do y'all do for a living? Web applications, okay 
I can dig it. My words spray tight. Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights. Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude. I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube. So let's get it. You know my lyrics are major. All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing. Keep it ugly. We ending every show with the saying, it's lovely. Let's go. Yeah, come on.